previous videos, I've mentioned two things that are relevant to this one. So I'm going to like very briefly touch on them again. First is that I have a history of military service through my father who was in the Air Force. I spent my whole life in the Air Force. I, except for like three or four years that I really don't remember all that much at all when I was a kid. And then of course, after my dad retired, which can I just even say that that is super weird switching from being military to civilian, even if you're just a dependent. Anyway, so long history of military, which means that I'm going to talk sometimes about the military in ways that may not make sense to you because they're so deeply ingrained in me. I won't necessarily recognize that they don't make sense to you. I will do my best to explain if that is in fact like the case and I catch it. And then the other thing is that I had asthma growing up mostly grew out of it at the age of 10. I had some very minor problems here and there from about the time I was 10 until I was 17. And I had that asthma attack that kicked me out of the military for good. But so those are relevant to this particular video. So I just wanted to like rehash that before I started telling my story and you were super confused. So I was 14 years old. We were living in Fredericksburg, Virginia. My dad was stationed at the Pentagon and he was working on the inauguration video. And so we were, we were living in Fredericksburg, which is about 30 minutes from the nearest military base, which was actually Quantico, which was a Marine base, not an Air Force base. And that was where we went when we had to do anything military related. Uh, we didn't usually go to the commissary at, at the Quantico base just because Actually, I'm not even sure if they, ha I mean, I'm sure that they had a commissary. I think I vaguely remember going to it every now and then, but we did most of our shopping in Fredericksburg because Quantico was like 35, 40 minutes away from, from home. And that's a long way to go for groceries, especially at the commissary. So we didn't usually go to the base and that meant that we also didn't go to the base for our healthcare. And so we had private practice healthcare at the time we that we went through our TRICARE insurance for. So we were living in Virginia. It was the changing of the seasons. I was having a little bit of trouble with my allergies, which were triggering my asthma. And so we, my mom took me to the doctor and we, used, we, we went to the pharmacy to pick up my prescriptions after the doctor's appointment. And my, my mom, when she went to pick up the prescriptions, she had to present my military ID card. Any any dependent who's 10 or older needs a military ID card in order to access military benefits like TRICARE. So it was not only an identification card, it also doubled as my health insurance card. So we went to the pharmacy and she presented my card and they're like, your card is expired. We can't use this. And my mom was like, oh, well, I'll just pay for the prescriptions out of pocket. It's not a big deal. And the lady behind the counter was like, well, these are like $2 and these are like $5, but this one's like 120. And my mom's like, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Cause you know, they had eight kids and you know, it's life. So it wasn't that difficult of a thing to get my ID card renewed. It was just, you know, it was time. When my dad got home, because he had a long commute, you know, he had to go all the way to Washington, D.C., which is about, I think, an hour and a half in good traffic. But this is D.C., so there's, like, no such thing. He would slug, like, 
two and a half, two hours every day. And for a while he was taking the Amtrak and for a while he was, he was driving, sometimes he would drive himself. It was, it just depended. But so by the time he got home, she was talking to him. She's like, Hey, Cassie needs this prescription, but her ID card is expired. Can you take her tomorrow to go get it? And he said, well, if I get the first appointment of the day, I can, and, and I can, you know, reschedule this meeting or not reschedule, but I think let them know that I was going to be late this meeting that I have in the morning, then that should be fine. And my mom was like, cool. And I, so my dad called the ID center at Quantico and he was able to get the very first appointment of the day, which was at seven o'clock in the freaking morning, which at 14 years old, no, thank you. But cause you know, it was seven o'clock for the appointment, but it was like 40 minutes to get there. And then he had to be there 15 minutes early. So that's like six o'clock in the morning that we had to leave. So not a fan, but that's okay. We, you know, everybody's got to do things they don't want to do every now and then. So woke up at like 530, had to shower, had to, you know, eat, had to do all that stuff because I had school that I had to go to, which I felt was unfair. Like if I had to, you know, in the past when we would do these things, we would get taken out of school so that we could go and do them. So I felt like it was super unfair that I had to go to school even though, but you know, parents can be Nazis sometimes. Uh, so he, so we drove down to Quantico. We got in, had no problems getting the, uh, getting like the paperwork done, the ID card printed, which is kind of a surprise. Usually there's delays and things like that. But for whatever reason, we didn't have any problems that day. So we got my new card all printed out and laminated all pretty. Although they do only black and white photos for the ID cards. And they're like those sketchy black and whites. So they're like really ugly. But I digress. So we're on our way back. He's going to drop me off at school. We're listening to the radio. And there was this news broadcast that broke in. I think we were listening to a sports station. Because that's usually what my dad had the usually what my dad had the radio program to. So this, this, bro this emergency broadcast broke through saying that a plane had hit uh, one of the Trade Center towers in New York. And I was like, well, I mean, that's terrible, but it's not really a surprise. You know, you like build buildings that high. I'm genuinely shocked it hasn't happened before. And my dad's like, okay, we're going to have a talk about empathy. So he turns off the radio and for the next, you know, 30 minutes, I get lectured about what it means to be empathetic to people who are in crisis and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I, I should have just kept my mouth shut. And so he drops me off at school, you know, do the whole bye, love you, see you later thing. We go inside, go to class, and around 10, 15, 10.30-ish, there was an announcement that went over the PA system that everybody had to congregate in the uh, cafeteria. So we were, we were taken out of class and into the cafeteria, and I was sitting with my friends, and the principal announced that a 747, I think, I'm pretty sure it was a 747, whatever it was, it was big, crashed into the Navy wing of the Pentagon. And I knew that my dad was currently 
I don't want to say stationed in the Navy wing, but he his office was currently there because they were renovating the Air Force wing. And so my dad was there in the Pentagon, in the Navy wing, on the third floor. And all of a sudden, I understood everything he was trying to tell me about empathy. There are people now who tell us to forget about it because it happened over 20 years ago. That we just need to move on. I can't forget. I can't. There's no way. I couldn't if I tried. Everybody. So many of the kids who were in my school had parents who worked at the Pentagon and it, you know, we were all just shocked. There was mass panic. Nobody knew what to do. One of the kids got called into the principal's office and the principal told him that his father was dead and it wasn't true. And even if it was true, that's not the principal's place or his job. And you know, my mom came and pulled my, my brothers and I out of school and we, it was just, the whole thing was just chaos because nobody would have ever expected that we, America, could be attacked on our homeland that had never really happened before. I mean, there were, there were terrorist attacks that had occurred there was Oklahoma bombing. There was the bombing of the trade centers. and But, I mean, nothing to this scale of absolute devastation. And there's no way to explain how it feels to see a plane hit a building and people fleeing to the roof because they can't get down and the building is on fire and they jumped because they would rather jump to their deaths than burn to death. How do you even, how do you even make that decision? I, mm. When I was teaching composition at my community college, I told this story to the kids in the class. And I knew, I mean, it was the class doubled as an AP English class. So I knew that m most, if not all of them, hadn't been born yet when 9-11 happened. But I was shocked to find out after I told this story that not one of them had ever seen footage of the incident, of the day, of the, the planes hitting, plane hitting the tower because I'm... We don't have the first one. We only have the second one. And, and later when they crumbled and the, the devastation of the plane in the, in just in, in the, in the walls of the Pentagon, all of those brave men and women, those heroes who went down in Pennsylvania fighting 
rather than allowing themselves to be used as a weapon against their country. And for a whole year, we were united. We were solid. There was an American flag everywhere. People sang the national anthem and God bless America and God bless the USA. And I mean, it was, it was, I can't even explain it. We were hurting. We were healing. We were still shocked. And we didn't know where to go from there. And then it just kind of stopped. My mom says that it happened um, on the anniversary in 2002 when President Bush announced that the year of mourning was over, that things largely, quote, went back to normal. Although now we have the TSA, so that's a terrible new normal. But it stopped to the point where when I was attending university in 2011, it didn't even occur to me that it was the 10-year anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. I, I, I just... I just missed it because I wasn't thinking about it. And I think that's, that's terrible that some, that an event like that could go so wholly uncommemorated. And it's interesting because I remember very vividly when I was in the fifth grade, I was doing a family history research project and I contacted my great grandmother who my grandmother was 98 from the time I was like seven until I, until she died when I was like 18 or 19 at the age of 92. So I just always told everybody my grandmother was 98. So I reached out to my 98-year-old uh, great-grandmother and asked her about December 7th and what that was like. And she told me. And she remembered every detail. And it was it fascinated me. And I wondered what that would be like, what kind of event would have to occur for everyone to have such a vivid memory of it decades after the fact. And then 9-11 happened and obviously I found out. We can't forget what happened on 9-11. We can't let it go. We can forgive. We can move past the sorrow and the struggle and the heartache, although some people never will. But we can't forget about it. We can't stop talking about it. And we can't stop showing it to our kids. Because if we stop showing it to these kids, they, they won't understand why it's so important that it never happen again. Why it's so important that we we learn about who we are as Americans, that we know our story, that we're able to, to protect what we have. Because if we're not willing to fight for it, if we're not willing to protect it, we're going to lose it. 
And everybody who has put their life on the line, either willingly or unwillingly, over the 250 almost years that we've been a country, all of their deaths will be in vain. We have to remember. And we don't have to dwell, okay? I'm not saying we have to dredge up the pain and, and you know, hate the ones who did it. And, and that's not what I'm doing. There are ways to remember the past in progressive and healthy ways, okay? Like, there, a lot of, of past has been clung to in unhealthy ways in an attempt to create progressive change that is actually splitting the country apart. What we need is we need to remember the past in ways that unites us. The things that happened that brought us together as people in, of one country, regardless of our race, regardless of our cultures, regardless of the languages we speak or the religions that we practice or don't practice, it does, those things are individualistic, which are great. We should be able to be individuals. But we also have to come together as a collective, as a nation, as a people. Because we the people are America. And if we the people cease to be we the people, then America will fall apart. And 9-11 won't be a one-off. It will happen again and again and again. Hey guys, thanks for watching that video. If you enjoyed it, make sure you like, subscribe, and do all those things that you do when you enjoy a video. If you'd like to learn more about us at Moms for America or the Millennial Rant, you can visit our website at millennialrant.com or see us on our Instagram page at millennial underscore rant. I look forward to seeing you next week and I hope that you have a wonderful day.